Here we go. Ah, ah. That's right. What's up, everybody? Brian Tong here, and welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Episode 7 for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. The show is all about you. We have the voicemails open. We're going to actually get to voicemails this week. The number is 833-888-ABXL. Or if you want the numbers, 833-888-2295. Just leave your name, where you're from, your comments, your questions. We'll get into them. And also, remember, I'm independent. This show is sponsored by you. So you can check out patreon.com slash Tong to keep us rolling, starting at support as little as $1 per month, cup of coffee, $5 per month or higher. And uh, we've also, we've, I've also got the video stuff coming. I've started to put out a few things on my YouTube channel. So all the support, I can't thank you enough. And uh, we continue to need support to keep this rolling. So let's just get to the show. We've heard so many reports recently about how Apple may not be selling as many iPhones as they as we thought they would. They were disappointed those numbers. We had people from the supply chain, companies that supply these components and parts for Apple saying, hey, we are reducing our orders moving forward. And these are all reports. Well, Apple just had their earnings report this week to tell us how they're really doing. And I think Tim Cook kind of had his head up in the air and he was really happy with the news he had to report. So here we go. Let's just jump into some of these numbers. They can be boring, but we'll break them down. For the quarter, which is the second fiscal quarter of 2018, really corresponding to the first calendar quarter of the year. This is January through March. For the quarter, Apple posted revenue of $61.1 billion and a net quarterly profit of $13.8 billion. Now that's up if you compare it to last year where they had $52.9 billion of revenue and a net quarterly profit of $11 billion. Now where where did they make these gains? What came up big for them? Again, this was a record-breaking quarter, their best second fiscal quarter of all time. So for the quarter, let's talk about the products. Apple sold 52.2 million iPhones compared to a 50.8 in a year ago, at the same time, iPad sales were up 9.1 million versus 8.9 million a year ago. Mac sales slipped a little bit, 4.1 million from 4.2. And if you look at this, the big thing is people were expecting either either an even or even maybe a drop when it came to iPhone sales because of all these reports that the iPhone 10 isn't doing as good as they expected. Well, if you look at this in reality, Apple only, right, quote-unquote, only during those first three months of the year, iPhone sales were just up 3%, which is not a huge jump. They weren't negative. They weren't flat, but they, they were up 3%. But the difference is because of the iPhone 10 profits helped to make that soar, right? The, the actual price of the phone helped to bump up their profits as well, right? That's just straight, flat economics. Now, people were questioning oh, where where did the iPhone come in in this mix? Because the average selling price of an iPhone in this quarter was $728. That's actually a decrease from during the holiday season where they said the average selling price of an iPhone was like $795. So what that tells you is, okay, they sold less iPhone 10s, which makes sense because last quarter was the, First quarter, the iPhone 10 was made available, so you have a lot of pre-orders, a lot of built-up demand. 
So fine, the average selling price of a phone went down, but it didn't mean that they didn't sell that many iPhone 10s as well. Now, Apple will never break down their numbers. They'll never break down their numbers. But this is what Tim Cook said about the mix of their phones. He said, since we split the iPhone line with the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus in 2014, this is the first cycle we've ever had where the top of the line iPhone model has also been its most popular. And what he's basically saying is that every week in the quarter, each and every week of the March quarter, the iPhone 10 was the top seller out of all iPhones, out of any iPhone that was sold. He also liked to kind of, and he he didn't, if you listen to the earnings recall where you, trust me, you don't want to listen to this, it's like as boring as he can get. <laughs> but he also had to throw in this analogy or this metaphor really to describe the iPhone 10 sales. He said, I think it's one of those things where a team wins a Super Bowl. Maybe you want them to win with a few more points, but it's a Super Bowl winner, and that's how we feel about it. So he continued to shower praise over the iPhone 10, saying, it's the most innovative product in the market. It's jam-packed with technology that sets the smartphone up for the next decade, and that's how we priced it. You're absolutely right, that's how you priced it. But really, the fears of iPhone fatigue have been mitigated. Everyone was expecting a drop or flat, or they weren't expecting Apple to outperform, and they did from a standpoint of iPhone sales. So good for them. It's not like they're, you know, it's it's not like they're in the clear and everyone's like, iPhones are the greatest selling product of all time. They're doing great. They're super profitable. Apple is profitable, but we'll see how this shakes out in the next quarter as well. Bottom line, iPhone 10 still their top seller, and I think it was a way for them to, again, be very proud of what they've accomplished because against all the reports that were out there, Apple debunked the rumors of the iPhones really slowing down. Some other cool nuggets, the iPad recorded its highest market share in the first quarter since 2014, according to IDC. We told you that they sold 9.1 million iPads and right, we've seen the tablet market continue to decline. The iPad has been the leader in that declining market. But if you kind of look at the mix and the percentage of sales, during its heyday, 2013, the iPad made up 40% of tablets sold, the, the market share, the mix of all that. So they were they were dominant there. Yeah, numbers have dropped over time. 2015, they were at 26%. 2016, they were at 25 2017, they're at 24, but they're, the iPads are at least making a, I don't want to say a comeback, but at least they're doing the right thing when it comes to the iPads. Surprise, surprise. Great hardware with great software. 2018, they jumped up to 28.8%, almost hitting a 29% market share. Again, worldwide shipments from all vendors combined declined 11.7%. So Apple's iPad gains in sales has been impressive, honestly. And you know how I feel about the iPad Pro. I don't want to keep talking about it. You guys and gals are probably tired of hearing me talking about it, but Apple making moves with the iPad line as well. If we want to talk about future iPhones, the story coming out from Chinese social network Weibo, believe this or not, I'll let you decide. The 2018 iPhones could ship with new 18-watt USB-C power adapters 
and USB-C to lightning cables for fast charging. This is the claim that says Apple will be no longer giving us the slowest power adapter, that little small, small guy uh, that just, you know, the little square that plugs in the wall that's the lowest voltage and, and charges our phones at a snail's pace. Uh, they're, they're saying the report is that this may happen, and I would applaud them if they did this. If they had the the apples to do this, I would applaud them because, look, right now, if you want a USB-C power adapter, the one that charges your phone super fast, you have to buy it separately from Apple. But how much does that cost? The only reason I have one is because I have one for my iPad Pro, and it charges that thing in like three hours or even less than that. The char- the price of the actual 18-watt power adapter itself is 49 bucks. The price of a lightning to USB-C cable from Apple is another 25 bucks. So you're saying $74 that Apple is just going to, from the goodness of their heart, when they've never done anything like this before, they're just going to throw it into the package? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. This is, again, a report from... Chinese social network Weibo. We'll see. I don't want you to don't 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 bet on that though. Just just don't bet on that. And then in a change, we have to thank our man Ming Chi Kuo from KGI Securities. Mo, I would say fifty percent of Apple rumor leaks, and he's he's had hit or miss times, but overall, he's pretty much on the money. And he's giving us stories about iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, as far as about a year to a year and a half before it actually happens. And as it gets closer, things start moving the direction that he reports. Ming-Chi Kuo, really, right, one of the best analysts covering Apple. He is resigning from Taiwanese research firm KGI Securities. He has already resigned uh, with his next move being a little bit uncertain, but he reportedly wants to or is moving on to cover innovative non-Apple companies. He's he's over the whole Apple rumor mill, pretty much supplying websites and shows like ours <laughs> with years of content. So the least we could do is at least say thank you and goodbye to Ming-Chi Kuo from Digitimes because he's a, or for KGI Securities. And previously, before that, he was an analyst at Digitimes. So he he's been pumping out all the good stuff. All right, let's just take a quick break here to say and thank you to our sponsors. Who are you? Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to sponsor this show. We're promising you the podcast. It helps us build up from there, provide you with videos and more. I'm ramping up probably about a month away till I get our weekly Apple Byte show up and running. But I just want to say thank you so much for your support starting at $1 per month. You can go up to 5, 10, 25, and I will be for all of our Patreon listeners and supporters. We will be doing the prize giveaway drawing for people that have supported $10 and up. Uh, it's the Roku streaming setup. We will be doing that. So just to give you a heads up. So thanks again, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, on to more stories here. The word about Apple's cross-platform app support, right? Building apps for iOS and macOS together to work on both platforms. It's one of those things that we have hoped would be the next step before maybe, maybe Apple might give us a touchscreen MacBook hybrid 
even though Tim Cook says, yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. That, that, that's not going to work for us. During Fireballs, John Gruber reports that the dream or the idea of cross-platform app support that had been reported uh, by Bloomberg to be coming sometime this year in Mac OS 10, sorry, Mac OS 10.14 and iOS 12, which would be the new releases that we would see this year at WWDC. John Gruber's reporting that you can pretty much put a kibosh on that, and most likely it's going to be coming in the next year, 2019, for macOS 10.15 and iOS 13. We had been kind of hyped up that this is one of the features that they were going to bring to the forefront, but according to John Gruber, it looks like they're going to push it back. That's according to what he's heard from his first and secondhand sources. And so the the baby steps to get towards this multi-purpose device is not coming around anytime soon. And I would say people that use an iPad with a keyboard, they're already kind of comfortable with doing a lot of stuff. You have Google Docs. I don't use uh, Microsoft's Office apps on an iPad because I, I just don't, I'm just all in the Google Docs world these days. But uh, I have used it with the, my keyboard when I go traveling and I kind of treat it as my main communication device. I can't do any heavy lifting per se, but it's pretty good. I This whole crossover app thing, we'll see which ones get featured first and how important it really is going to be. But if they're never going to bring together the touchscreen and the MacBook, it may not mean as much as you want other than your MacBook and iMac getting some of the cool iOS games per se. All right, also in MacBook news, according to Digitimes, Apple is said to have delayed the production of the new MacBook Air with Retin display to the second half of 2018. This was a report that Apple's most affordable MacBook would go into production sometime in the second quarter, would be ready for WWDC, and would bring finally a Retina display to the MacBook Air line, but that is not the case According to these reports, they've been outright delayed um, in, you know, from the supply chain side. And so they even they say as a result, a lot of MacBook Air supply chain partners who are readying their materials for their inventories to support this new MacBook are now facing low capacity utilization because if Apple's delaying the process, they've been waiting on them. The timing is supposed to be lined up for everyone to be on board together, but that's not happening. So you can kind of wait on that. The current MacBook Air hasn't seen any updates really in the past three years or so. So we're just going to wait. But if you were hoping to see in June, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's just not. Also, if you look about when was the last time the 13-inch model was upgraded, it was bumped up to the base processor option last June, which is still a Broadwell chip. So that's not anywhere near close to what the current chips are out there. So we're just going to have to wait it out. WWDC will not see, most likely not see anything around a new 13-inch MacBook Air. All right, competition. We talk about Apple, but we talk about the landscape here. Google just put out a post earlier today on its keyword blog that wanted to kind of really brag about the progress the assistant has made. According to the company, The Google Assistant now works with every major brand in the U.S., meaning it can connect with more than 5,000 smart home devices, up from just 1,500 in January. That's a whole lot of devices. Now, I'm going to give you a moment to guess roughly 
if Google is at 5,000 smart home devices, what do you think Alexa is, right? What do you think the Amazon Echo platform is at? They're at somewhere close to 12,000 smart home devices, all right? That's a whole bunch. Obviously, Amazon's Echo platform has been out, uh, was the first one a whole lot longer. But now let's go to the HomePod and Apple's HomeKit and Siri. There, do you, Would you like to take a guess about how many products it supports? I'm going to give you guys and gals a second. Just throw it out there in your brain. All right. You got your number. As of this, as of today, as of this podcast, the list of HomeKit compatible smart home products reaches about 200. 200 <laughs> smart home devices are compatible with HomeKit and Siri. Are you kidding me? Like, I knew it was bad. And I was like, okay. And I complain about it a lot. You've heard me complain about it, but come on, guys. 200 devices as of right now, with some of them on the list of their supported devices on their website, haven't even launched yet, okay? So at least if you're talking about the smart home, 1,200 for Amazon's Alexa, five, sorry, 1,200, 12,000 for Amazon's Alexa, 5,000 for Google's Home Assistant platform, and 200 for the HomePod. Y'all need to catch up. If there's any time to catch up, WWDC is just a month away. You have got to do better than that. There's just, there's, there's no, there's no way. No. Also, Apple, we know that they've been tinkering with VR and AR. Really, Tim Cook has been the most outspoken about augmented reality even before the iPhone 10 launched. He was like, we're all in on AR. Everyone's like, what are you going to do? And really right now, they have the most AR apps just ready to roll directly on a device. Well, reports have said they've been working on an AR VR headset. This one is codenamed internally with Apple T288 featuring an 8K display for each eye that would be untethered. So you wouldn't need a computer or a smartphone to use this potential headset that they are developing internally. It would really be connected to a dedicated box. So it does sound like you would need to at least have some sort of device that this VR headset from Apple self-contained unit talks to. It's using high-speed short-range wireless technology called 60 gigahertz Y-Gig. It would also be powered by a custom 5 nanometer Apple processor, more powerful than anything currently out there available in VR headsets, similar to really the custom chips that Apple uses in like future Macs. And we talked about Apple developing their own chips and their strategy for really controlling that process, helping it to optimize both software and hardware together if they have it developed at the same time. So we have this VR, cordless devices, Apple potentially working on their own VR headset. You won't need to use or install special cameras in a room to detect your location like some VR headsets. All of it will be built into the headset. Now, here's the thing. This is a report about something that Apple is developing, and I'm sure they look, they better be at least playing with VR alongside of AR and trying out everything possible, but Apple's been so bullish on AR, I'd be really surprised to see them release a standalone VR headset anytime soon. The report says 
they could be aiming to launch the headset in 2020, but working on the device is still in its early stages and could be changed or scrapped. Are you guys on board with an Apple VR headset? You know, again, this is Apple trailing the competition from a standpoint of look at all the experience other platforms have built up. HTC, Oculus, Samsung, Google, the list goes on. And they're behind. If they're if they're 2020, look, this week, Oculus Go, they at the F8 Facebook Developer Conference, they announced their first standalone virtual reality headset called the Oculus Go. First standalone. It doesn't require, there's no phone that you have to put on. You just pop on the headset. It costs $199 for a VR experience now. There's over a thousand apps that it's going to have right off the bat. I I want to see this in person. Again, I've played plenty with Samsung's Galaxy VR headset, the Gear VR. It's really cool. You have to pop in a phone. It can be kind of cumbersome. No one wants to like take the time. You just want to slap on that VR headset. And it comes down to cool experiences, obviously. But I I I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the NBA in VR games. They're pretty they're pretty awesome, like to check out. And have that's pretty sweet. So, look, Apple, fine, 2020, if you even release a VR headset. Oculus Go is already out there. It has a 5.5-inch display, 2560 by 1440 resolution, running a Qualcomm Snapdragon 821 processor. So, again, we'll see where you go with this, but I'm not going to say I'm skeptical, but I am skeptical, especially with what the competition has out there. Look... You've got to really bring something special to the table because I hope that they learn their lesson with the HomePod of what it's like to release a product that can't even hang when you're three years behind. Just don't do that. And don't make it for, we're we're way smarter than that now. Consumers want the best. They want stuff that makes it unique. They're not, the Apple loyalists have already seen this coming for a long time. You need to give us more than what you're doing right now if you're entering a market late with a new product. That's all I'm saying. That's all. All right, um, we told you we were gonna get to our voicemail, so we've got a couple here. Remember, to be a part of the show, continue to call 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. All right, first call we have coming in here is our buddy Nick from Denver, and he wants to talk about um, kind of a little controversy with the iMac that we saw recently. Hey, Brian, this is Nick calling from Denver. I'd like to get your opinions on the Linus Tech Tips video of Apple not fixing his iMac Pro. It has stirred up quite a bit of controversy on YouTube, and I'd like to get your opinions on it. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Can't wait to see where you will go. All right, Nick, thanks so much. So for those of you that don't know what this is about, it's not just Apple refusing to repair um, Linus Tech Tips iMac, what had happened is in the video, he basically pulled off the entire screen um, to tinker with the iMac itself. And when they did, they dropped the actual glass pan- front-facing glass panel and it broke. It sh- not shattered, but it cracked. Okay, then instead of just being reasonable sometimes, people like to stoke the fire and he reached out to Apple, Apple Care Support to see if he could get it fixed. And they said no. 
he continued to be like, can I just get the parts? And they're like, no. And so he made a big fuss about like how ridiculous it is that Apple won't give him, even if it's out of warranty, the ability to repair his own iMac. Now, again, I see the logic that he's thinking about. He's saying, hey, my computer broke. Whether or not it's within warranty or not, I should be able to get it fixed. Here's the thing. It clearly states, and if anyone knows anything about Apple products and how controlling they are, you immediately violate the warranty of an iMac specifically if you choose to disassemble it. It's not... It's not like this is going to be a surprise to anyone. If he wanted to test the limits of how much Apple would would take care of him because he has millions of views and whatnot, it doesn't matter. You outright, it would be like me personally cracking open my iPhone screen just for fun to make a video, and then I and then I drop the screen. The difference is that there's screen replacement programs. You can go third party. The iMac 27-inch iMac Pro, that's a little different story. If you want, if you want, there's no reason other than making a video that you have to disassemble or take off the front-facing panel of an iMac. You just don't need to. So for them to get mad and try and create this uproar of like Apple doesn't care about its customers, I'm sorry. I've I've worked, I've owned Apple products since the dawn of my existence. And there's never been a case where if they tell you don't, this is, you know, not user customizable or user installable. If they say that, you should probably pay attention to those terms. I'm not siding with Apple. I'm actually siding with the fact that when a company outright says don't do this, and then you want to make a fuss about it because you shattered the iMac screen when you pulled it off, <laughs> um, you there's no reason to make a big deal about it. But sometimes I know we're we're in a time where making a spectacle of things is better than actually sometimes just taking a step back like, oh, I didn't, I wasn't supposed to do this. Just because you think you can do everything doesn't mean you can. So I just think it, the video was interesting, but to get so emotionally upset about it, it just even looked a little staged like they were just trying to poke poke Apple and make them fix it just to prove a point. But the point is, if a company tells you don't, once you do this, it voids your entire warranty, then don't do it. <laughs> that's that's how I that's how I look at it. Does are we allowed to? Would a company rep, help us repair our car engine if we took out the entire car engine and then broke it and didn't know what to do with it? Probably not. Maybe there's a company out there that does that. I don't think so. But you gotta you you gotta look at it a little differently. So. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the team of I'm on the side of like that was dumb like you kind of got what you deserved. All right, next call. Here we go. Terrence, my man talking about iPad Pro. Hey Brian, Terrence McKelvey from Beverly Hills. Just wanted to know I got the uh the OG uh iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch. Loving it. I use it every day in my office. Is it worth it upgrading to the newer uh iPad Pro? Uh I know it has a enhanced uh, uh I guess uh refresh rate um but not really sure if it's uh you know worth it going from the original since the original's you know doing so well for me um i use the pencil with it and um, a keyboard case as well so it's kind of doing it uh let me know thanks a lot bye all right terrence um a lot of look you're using the ipad to its fullest i will tell you uh 
The 120 hertz refresh rate buttery smooth screen is amazing. Just, but it's not. That's not a reason why you should just outright upgrade your iPad just for that. Based on timing, just wait around. There's probably going to be a new iPad that's coming around, maybe around the fall. I don't. I don't expect to see new iPad at least in the summer because the latest push for um, latest updates were pretty recent. So no need to, at least from the standard entry-level iPad that they put out there. I think you can just wait out for the next model and see what's special. If you're using that pencil just fine, you're using that keyboard, I mean, unless you, you know, if you want to spend that cheddar, you can get the refresh rate. I love it. If you're moving up, I don't know if you're moving up in size. If you really wanted the 12.9-inch screen, then fine. Maybe that might be a reason, but I would say just hold on. Save your money until the next gen comes out and uh, you should be okay. All right, everybody, that's going to do it again. You can call us at one 888 to be a part of this show. The show is sponsored by you at patreon.com slash Tong, and we always want to show love to our Platinum Apples. These are people who have shown support and love at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, and Andy Alverson. Thank you so much, everybody. And thank you for everyone for your support at every level because we keep on doing doing the damn thing. All right, there you have it. There's your Applebits XL for the week. Take care, be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.